I apologize in advance. I'm with comicbook.com. I do have to ask some nerdy questions. Um, I, I know you can't confirm or deny if Qui-Gon Jinn is making an appearance in Obi-Wan, so I'm not even going to ask that. But would just would you be interested in returning to Qui-Gon if given the opportunity? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, if it was a film, uh, oh, yes. I'm oh, oh, okay. When it comes to TV, I must admit. But <laughs> no, you're not. I just not. like the big yeah, screen. You know? yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. <laughs> he did Family uh, Guy. You know, Qui-Gon, I, I, you know, I can't believe... It's 24 <laughs> years since we made uh, The Phantom Menace. I just cannot believe where the time has gone. I know. But it was a, it was a terrific experience shooting that film. The big screen. Just project it on the wall of your garage in your backyard. That's how we're <laughs> going to watch Obi-Wan episodes. <laughs> Well, this is a very interesting quote from Leon. He said, it's like uh, 24 years. Hmm. Like someone, you've been in a conversation recently about how long it's been since you've been on screen in live action. I'm just saying, yeah. like, unless he's got uh, every year he has a tally mark on his wall. He's like, now we're at 23 years. Now we're at 24 years. <laughs> so when these interviewers, Chris. I love this me, dance. Can't give away anything. Yeah, it's become its hilarious little subgenre of uh, of interview content right now, where these actors who are out promoting other things get asked things about Marvel or Star Wars, yes. and they have to come up with this little tap dance. And they're all good at it in interesting yeah. ways. But well, it's a lot of money, and a lot of money you'll lose if you don't do it the right. If you say the wrong thing. Yeah, we want to thank comicbook.com and Chris Killian for that great interview moment with Liam Neeson. Thank you for always asking such great questions. And let's get into this. Welcome back to New Rockstars. Liam Neeson finally breaks the silence of returning as Qui-Gon Jinn. And it turns out his particular set of skills are only for <laughs> cinema. None of this buffering bullshit you stream on your cracked 24-inch Vizio that folds back into the wall Michael Scott style. No, no, only AMC IMAX. Where if it's here, it's real. If Nicole Kidman doesn't greet or doesn't greet you before the film, standing, sitting, eating popcorn, drinking a Sprite, then I don't want to be in it. Yeah, no Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon's not there for the small screen, baby. He's not there for your phone. Unless they're tablets for Moses. But the reason we laugh about this is, you know, Liam Neeson has lent his iconic voice to many TV series and streaming titles over the years, including voicing Qui-Gon Jinn in The Clone Wars. So is this only in a film, quote, actually a, a, a bit of a tap dance, a cover story for what will actually be a real cameo in yeah. Kenobi? <laughs> I just scared a cat. I think every morning they're just cats that just howl when we start this show. Just like, not today, please not today. Not again, not again. Oh, well, ever was there ever. A show so clever as Eric and Tommy <laughs> talking Star Wars. Dun, 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 dun. The musical well, theater people week, are going to be back on board with you, Eric. You've got a lot of... They're like, oh, our kitty ears are burning. <laughs> and they all do their creepy little march where they zip their yeah. fursuits off and there's more fur underneath. Well, you're my jellical choice always, Eric. You're always my <laughs> jellical choice. The amount of weeks I've tried to force um, uh, Gus the theater cat into talking about Gus the goldfish on Moon Knight... And just haven't had a good window for it yet, because you know MT would shut that shit down in a heartbeat. No, yes, that's not right. interested. He will not suffer that. <laughs> no. Uh, well, this week on WikiLeaks, we're going to break down the likelihood of Qui Gon Jinn making an appearance in the Obi Wan Kenobi series, and mm. if that happens, what 
fascinating conversation will they have? Because they got a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, a little later this episode, we're going to discuss which Star Wars music has had the biggest impact. Uh, because Star Wars is music, and John Williams has been an equal partner in the success of this franchise, if Absolutely. not the leading reason it's been successful, depending yes. on who you talk to. Time is running out to grab yourself the limited edition Moon Knight latest obsession shirt over at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Those bad boys are going to get banished back into Ushapti form very quickly uh, to make room for the Multiverse of Madness latest obsession shirt. That's going to be great. So uh, they're running out. I don't know how many we have left. I don't think it's much. So grab one of those and all kinds of cool merch that helps support the channel at NewRockStarsMerch.com. And oh, another pretty big announcement from New Rockstars. Mm -hmm. The channel is going to be launching a daily live stream show starting a week from today, Monday, May 2nd. Uh, Tommy is going to be part of it. Other yes. uh, folks behind the scenes and New Rockstar, some familiar faces are going to be on it. This is going to be a, a live in-person shoot that gives you a behind-the-scenes uh, uh, kind of chit-chat that happens every day yes. at the New Rockstar's Burbank office. Just a little heads up, I am not at that Burbank office. I'm here in uh, San Francisco. The Blue Dungeon's everywhere, but yes. uh, usually it's it's in uh, San Francisco. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to be joining that conversation every week, but it's going to show you uh, the amazing conversation that happens behind the scenes. It's going to be super funny. I've seen some early test screenings. You may have seen one on the channel on Thursday. Uh, so you'll be able to like get a peek into the, the fun amazing mind of Tommy Bechtold and friends over there. <laughs> Terrifying, from the terrifying visionary mind of Tommy Bechtold. No, we're, ve and, uh, we're very excited. And unfortunately, we cannot summon Eric by saying his name three times uh, like Beetlejuice. We wish we could. But hopefully, well, when you do that, I get transported to some <laughs> weird dimension that yeah. it's neither here nor there. Yes, it's so just not fair to you because we, we never know where it. you're going to end up. So, yeah, so we, we, we hope Eric will join us at some point down in the mothership but until then we yeah. will we'll march along and uh we're gonna have a lot of fun on that show but we're gonna have and, a lot uh, of fun on this show now Eric. yeah we are this this ain't going anywhere guess what the break room that starts may 2nd last time i checked yeah. it's april something yeah. 25th <laughs> and, and and when that launch yeah it's a week from now but like this isn't going to be replacing any of the content no, you see no, on the no. channel we're still going to be we're going to be doing even more blue yeah. screen uh solos yeah. videos more mm -hmm. breakdowns of shows more after shows the reasons that you already subscribed to new rock stars those aren't going anywhere mm -hmm. we're going to be doubling down on those in addition to launching this yeah it's a crazy time of expansion at this channel you're just all so hungry for content we got to feed you feed feed me feed talk me. Yeah. Um, but uh, Those horns, we're doing it. Let's see how many musicals we can fit in today. Yeah, we'll work it all in. <laughs> Bring a dude. Um, but <laughs> when, when this launches next Monday, you'll be able to actually start watching every weekday afternoon, Monday through Friday, starting next week on the New Rockstars YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be real fun. Um, all right. So talking Star Wars and Liam Neeson this week. Tommy, what's our, what's our big question for Star Wars? Well, as we saw in that interview, we're all wondering, will Liam Neeson cameo as Qui-Gon Jinn or not? Yeah, Liam Neeson seemed to deny appearing in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, saying at first that he'd be interested, but then suddenly catching himself and saying, oh, but in a film, yes. suggesting that he's a snob and would only want to be on the big screen as Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui I think that's Jinn. such a tell. The fact that he insulted himself <laughs> and called tell. himself a snob, like that's such, yeah. a that's such a tell that he knew he was getting in troubled waters. 
And he's like, I'm right. just going to charm my way out of this. Yeah. And I thought it was a pretty good answer. It's just one that, like, we we know. Like, it, it, because it's a very artificial excuse. That, because Neeson has never held himself that, to that before. Sure, he's known as more of a film actor, but he's totally appeared in a number of TV roles and streaming series. Uh you mentioned Family Guy. He was in uh, Netflix's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which people streamed on their home TVs. Just actors these days know as well as anyone that content right now is just being streamed on home devices. Uh, and it's not like Liam Neeson has been a stranger to Lucasfilm in recent years because he voiced Qui-Gon's ghostly presence in three episodes of The Clone Wars. Season 3, episode 15, Overlords, when Qui-Gon's Force ghost tells Obi-Wan about Mortis, and then followed by the amazing episode 17, when Qui-Gon's ghost meets Obi-Wan in Mortis to tell him about those three force deities, the father, the son, and the daughter, and they're interested in Anakin. Folks, this is a hugely important arc for the Star Wars lore and mythology. Everything we know about Ahsoka, why she has the, the bird, uh, her connections, her deeper mystical connections to uh, Anakin Skywalker. In fact, like there was a believed earlier draft of the Rise of Skywalker that might have addressed the Dagger of Mortis. And that's why this random dagger was in the movies, that this was going to be the Dagger of Mortis. Ah. And then they backed away from that and then ended up making it into a, a Goonies clue. But <laughs> this insanely important storyline from the Clone Wars... Liam Neeson was there for it. He is what lent it so much authority, was just his voice bringing us into that mystery. Um, now, Liam Neeson did come back in season six, episode 11 of Clone Wars. You know, one of these, uh, we aren't sure where the series is going at this point, Star Wars uh, episodes of this final season of Clone Wars right before they canceled it, but it's still an awesome episode to check out. Um, Qui-Gon uh, appears to Yoda in this episode. Um, but then, of course, Nisa comes back in The Rise of Skywalker in 2019. He was one of the many Jedi voices who returned. Yes. So the guy has had no problem uh, checking in with Dave Filoni in an ADR booth <laughs> multiple times in recent years. Yes. So, uh, yeah, when we watch this interview now, it just looks like the kind of denial game we've seen before where these poor guys got to sit through junket after junket promoting other movies that they're <laughs> more passionate about in this moment. Yes. And then they have to have some kind of like answer for when the Marvel or the Star Wars question inevitably comes up. So I, I completely, I empathize. Uh, I, I guess I can't really empathize. I sympathize what Neeson's going through in this moment. And, mm. uh, and I love the guy. Um, but if Lucasfilm could get Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen to return and to be the stars of this show, uh, just a vocal cameo yeah. by Liam Neeson, at the very least, after he's done this multiple times with Dave Filoni, it's just, it feels very likely. Yes. And I think set photos from Entertainment Weekly even show us the moment Obi-Wan reunites with Qui-Gon's Force Ghost or some Force Ghost. Like, if you take a look at this photo, it shows Obi-Wan alone in his cave dwelling, but this weird blue light that lights up the room just in this dim way. And it looks like the source of the light, at least in the foreground, is coming from the foreground because it's on our side of this uh, cave archway and it's reflecting back at us. So it's like he woke up in the middle of the night and then looks out in the darkness of the cave in astonishment as if seeing a familiar face. Uh, because otherwise, no one knows where he lives. He's a hermit. Who else would be in this room? Who else would he be looking at or greeting in this moment? If not a force ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn or a dream of, uh, of uh, Hayden Christensen, uh, 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 Anakin Skywalker, or Yoda, or, you know, who knows? Jar Jar? Jar Jar? <laughs> um but I think what's interesting about rewatching those Ghosts of Mortis scenes with Qui-Gon is how resolute the character still is, even in death, that Anakin Skywalker, in his mind, was the chosen one. So if Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon reunite in the series, this will be the first time Qui-Gon is really challenged with the inevitable truth 
that his recruitment of Anakin doomed all of them. Uh, and at least at this point in history, feels like a huge mistake. Uh, and it feels like we're going to get a parallel, actually, to Luke's chat with Obi-Wan's Force Ghost on Dagobah and Return of the Jedi, where Obi-Wan famously told him, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Luke's like, <laughs> I, from a certain point of view? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? You're gaslighting me. And tell me, how amazing is it going to be if Obi-Wan got that bullshit line from his <laughs> former master, Qui-Gon? Yeah. Like, Qui-Gon could say, well, Skywalker was the chosen one from a certain point of view. <laughs> yeah. And then Not Obi-Wan's Palpatine's. like, I'm going to pocket that and <laughs> yeah. use that. Yeah. Obi-Wan's just writing it down in a joke journal. He's like, hang on a second. <laughs> I, I always keep one of these with me just in case. Uh, when they're in their nether worlds of the Force, up here in his Force Ghost, it's just like written on the back <laughs> of the guitar there. And, and they're like, oh, okay. Tommy, I want to ask you, how do you think Qui-Gon will react and respond when Obi-Wan calls him out for bringing Anakin into their lives? Is he going to apologize or is he going to be like, just wait, just wait. Bringing in the Skywalkers into this is actually in the big frame, big frame of reference actually going to be more important than you think. Just historically, Force Ghosts on in the movies, anyway, from what I can say, are pretty stoic, right? <laughs> like they're pretty, they're pretty like level-headed and even keeled and they don't necessarily show a ton of like emotion or like I, I can't see him getting like angry. Although it would be amazing if like we get a Liam Neeson as Qui Gon like <laughs> just getting annoyed with Obi Wan. <laughs> but I think more than likely, what you said the the, the first thing you said, where he, he'll be like, maybe it didn't end up the way I thought it would, but it's going to reach uh, the conclusion we want, just with a different Skywalker. Maybe he'll yeah, say I there is another. Maybe he'll say. There is another. Huh? And Obi-Wan's just, yo, everyone's just plagiarizing Qui-Gon. Yoda's plagiarizing. Well, my, I think it'd be fun if, like, I like it when Force, or I like it when ghosts in all fiction are kind of sassy. Yeah, and me too. I love a have, sassy ghost. Yeah, they, they've, like, learned nothing from being in this realm. They've just become yeah. more petty, <laughs> shitty versions of themselves. Yeah. Because um, I think that's what ghosts become. I don't think they become, like, spiritual or zen in any way. Absolutely I think they're just, not. Like, they're little stinkers, you know? Yeah. So they're like Beetlejuice. So I think... <laughs> I think I'm a little stinker ghost. I'm a little stinker. Stink, st mm. Stinker was deleted from Ghostbusters Afterlife because he <laughs> tested so poorly with audiences. And then he got moved to Ghostbusters That's and right. he became Slimer. Yeah. Um, but I think... Uh, I think Qui-Gon's going to be a, a, a jackass. I think he's going to be really mean uh, and say, No. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. I did the right thing. Uh, eventually, corruption was going to collapse the Senate, but I gave us a new hope in the form of his offspring. Uh, and, and he's like, that's why it's so important to continue this mission. Because while Anakin wasn't the chosen one, the chosen one was swimming around in one of his nutsacks. And then... <laughs> it's too early for that. Obi-Wan's like, ugh, stinker, Don't, it's too early, I just woke up in this cave, let me go back to bed, leave me alone, it was in his nutsucks, Obi-Wan, what do they call you, Ben now, they call you Ben, no, I know your name, he just, he just whips it out, he's like, right here, they're gone though, because he's a ghost, I told you that I would find you, and I will kill you, <laughs> I, I, I just think this is a great place to have this argument about, like, you know, uh, the, the balance to the Force did happen because the Jedi needed to be called out on their bullshit. Now, yes, 
I, it sounds like I'm <laughs> creating a, a justification for genocide and slaughter of children of Jedi of Jedi Order. No, not at all. But I think uh, I think this story the story needed to happen because we needed our mythology stories mm-hmm. to make our videos about. Yeah, um, we. But I think this, they did it for us. I think there's a great metatextual conversation that can happen between these two characters. It needs to happen between these two characters. And I want to see it in the form of a crass, angry ghost. (laughs) I agree. I'm 100% on board with you here. I have no pushback on that. That is how I want it to happen, too. (laughs) Neeson can do it. (laughs) Neeson is a great actor. Get Liam, get this man a script. I assume they already have. Whatever. If he's not in the show, I'm not going to be mad. Just uh, show us the Qui-Gon cut. I'm going to demand us to see the Qui-Gon cut. Give us the Qui-Gon cut! I want to talk Star Wars music with Tommy, but first, let's people to thank for helping us make this episode, starting with Masterclass. Thank you to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to sing from Mariah Carey, improve your communication skills from George Stephanopoulos, or learn how to make a pastry from the guy who invented the cronut. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, the thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Here at New Rockstars, we've become very fond of giving Masterclass as a gift Producer Zach gave a subscription to his mother-in-law, and she's been just pounding through some classes. Dan Brown, Joyce Carol Oates, other mother-in-law approved masterclasses. So one of the cool things we have been exploring is a new audio mode. You can take a masterclass like you would listen to a podcast or an audiobook, learn how to write better fiction or uh, be a better leader while you drive to the pharmacy, whatever you want to do. So I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And for the Wookiee Leaks audience, you can get 15% off an annual membership. So go to masterclass.com slash Wookiee right now. That's masterclass.com slash Wookiee with two E's for 15% off masterclass. And we want to thank Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, we are jazzed about Mint Mobile and their premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. We're jazzed about all that jazz, some might say. Uh, Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. So they cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. We've got multiple folks on staff at New Rockstars who have switched to Mint Mobile, including editor Riley Phillip. They have great service and they're laughing all the way to the bank with those sweet, sweet savings. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or buying for a whole family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. So all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Wookiee with two E's. That's mintmobile.com slash Wookiee. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Wookiee. All right, Tommy, uh, you and I like talk a lot, but we also like to listen a lot to yeah. music, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. it's being alive or finishing a hat or any number of Sondheim jammers. Yeah. Uh, in this case, we're talking Star Wars because John Williams is returning to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, contributing the main theme of it. However, it was reported last week that Natalie Holt, the composer and violinist who did the music for Loki, Marvel's Loki on Disney+, Plus, will be doing most of the music composition for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series as well. And since music is so critical to Star Wars, I wanted to spend the second half of the episode on our favorite music tracks. Uh, throughout the Star Wars history. Uh, The ones that carry the most narrative weight, the ones that hit us the hardest emotionally, the ones that might deserve more appreciation. So, Tommy, let's start with, of all the different Star Wars tracks, John Williams in the original trilogy, John Williams in the prequel trilogy, uh, Michael Giacchino's work, 
for uh, for Rogue One, the stuff from the streaming series from Clone Wars or the live action streaming series uh, by Ludwig Göransson. Uh, what Star Wars track do you think does the most to carry the story narratively? So uh... that they can just use this song to just like bridge the gap between confusing or controversial plot points. Uh, you know, I'm going to say something that might be uh, not a popular answer here. But this is something I always thought worked. And I think that's Ray's theme in The Force Awakens. We're immediately like just the kind of like upbeat, but like frenetic pace of the do 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 whatever. And like you immediately know like this is a, like you get her character. You get like she's restless. She doesn't want to be there. We don't even know her yet, but she's got a lot to do, even though she doesn't want to do it. But she needs to get those credits so she can get her weird bread. It's yeah. dehydrated. Yeah. Um, I mean, it probably tastes like a sponge, but damn, it looks yummy. Um, I agree with you, Tommy. I think uh, I think the Ray theme from The Force Awakens and the way it's used throughout the sequel trilogy is a beautiful piece of music, and I love it. I love hearing it. I, I think it, it has such an interesting different texture. It gives you, it does the most character development, I think, of or, of, of most of the Star Wars things. Most of the Star Wars tracks have a, have this epic uh, cosmic implications feel to them or this adventure spirit or a sense of doom. This just feels very intimate uh, and just, it feels like you're spending a quiet private moment with the character, which uh, is one of the reasons why those opening beats of Force Awakens are so great. Um, for me, I think, and this is going to sound like I'm saying it's the most overused, but I'm not. I just think it it's such a good track that it, it just, you hear it almost every episode of all the animated series. It's just the Force theme, Binary Sunset. Um, I, I just think it is used so often just to imbue meaning into a moment. And it works. It works on me every time. I will never complain when you hear a Force theme like Matif uh, brought in to bridge the gap between two characters just whenever a lightsaber appears on screen. Uh, it's like you hear the Force theme come back, and it works. It it always works. Uh, it 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 draws you back into that Arthurian legend that uh, that George Lucas started the series as, and I think it it it's uh, it has carried all Star Wars titles more than I think any other musical uh, sting has. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the next question. What do you think the most underappreciated Star Wars music is? I think the most disrespected uh, Star Wars music because of how people feel about currently the maligning of these movies is Kylo Ren's uh, theme that meh, nah, nah, meh. I'm, I'm singing it wrong, but you know, whatever. But, uh, but I think like that initial, I forget like in this, I, I have the force awakening soundtrack and it's like Kylo Ren, the song, the track is like Kylo Ren attacks or something like that. And it's just the like driving, like, like menacing haunting theme song you know kylo ren's character was a little uneven obviously in those movies and we never i i felt unsatisfied but i ultimately enjoyed the character and i think the music was wonderful for it yeah i think um i think the music that john williams composed with the yes that's what i was trying to do yes it's such a chilling moment yeah. like the hairs on the back of my neck go up whenever yeah. i hear it i get goosebumps yeah and i think it's because it reminds us of the fearsomeness that that character almost had at the beginning yeah. of that trilogy i yeah. think it would have been better as a villain it's just a completely lost i didn't need redemption for kylo ren i think in that series no because it was crazy that it was han solo and leia's son 
And he was yeah. awful. <laughs> he was a terrible right. person who murdered people indiscriminately. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's arguments that every character is worthy of redemption and that we needed to see that redemption. And some of those emotional beats in The Rise of Skywalker when Harrison Ford came back, mm -hmm. it, it worked on me the first yeah. time I saw it. So I don't, yeah. I don't really know at this moment how I feel about it. Yeah. But I do know I love that music. And you're right, Tommy. It is underappreciated. It's, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. To me, what uh, the track that doesn't get enough love, because everyone talks about Duel of the Fates, everyone oh, talks yeah. about the original trilogy themes. Uh, to me, that doesn't get enough love is the uh, the Across the Stars, the love theme from Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, most people agree, is the weakest Star Wars installment. I, I guess I don't know if everyone agrees on that. Uh, I, I, I love the Clone Wars series that is set at the same time. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of parallels there, but just like the, the romantic arc between Padme and Anakin in that uh, movie it's something that often feels a bit hard to connect with, right? But the music works so hard to connect them. And it has this great Dr. Zhivago-ing uh, Zhivago feel, this connection between them that is just beautiful. Uh, I think the the it plays over the wedding, uh, the secret wedding between them. And when you just listen to that music, it, it just like hits you in this like, beautiful way. I, I think it stands up with uh, some of the other love themes that, uh, that John Williams has composed for this. So if you get a moment, check it out. I mean, a lot of the prequel tracks, whether it's uh, like the Battle of the Heroes that we talked about in the Kenobi trailer, that that's really great. Uh, John Williams is doing amazing work that is not the famous tracks that you recognize in the moment you hear it. All the, the tracks that you hear from him have uh, some beauty and some conflict within them that are great. All right, Tommy, let's talk about the best music from a Star Wars streaming okay. series. I, so this can be from um, Mandalorian, Bad yeah. Batch, or uh, Clone Wars, or Boba Fett, yeah. or Rebels. This is a no-brainer for me. I do not care how you feel about this series. I don't, like, that. that's not important. The end credit theme song to Book of Boba Fett, where they're just saying, Boba Fett, over and over again. Fett, uh, Boba Fett, Fett, uh, Fett, uh, Fett. That's, uh, that's my favorite. Hum, 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 yeah, hum, exactly. hum, 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 hum. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I loved it. Yes. I, it was, I sat through the credits of every single one of those. It's just so rare that you hear vocals yeah. in a Star Wars track. Yeah. Like you hear Duel of the Fates, yeah. you hear the chorus there. But um, So they br bring in this chanting that just sounds so cool. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I, I love what Ludwig Göransson did for um, The Mandalorian. I thought it was game-changing in so many ways, especially the Grogu theme. Um it, so I, I think everyone kind of agrees that there's some beautiful uh, music that Göransson created there. Some instruments we had never heard in Star Wars composition before. But for me, I want to give some love to Kevin Kiner's uh, music from the final arc of Clone Wars Season 7, the Mandalore arc. Uh, those final four episodes. Specifically, just rewatch the final episode of Clone Wars Season 7. And the music just feels so bleak and terrifying in a way it reminded me of like blade runner there's a lot of synth tones like so like the moment when they when maul is defeated and they're leaving uh they're finally leaving mandalore and they're bringing them back to coruscant for trial uh like you know ahsoka makes her goodbye with bo katan and like the music has this kind of languid moody feel to it because you know what's coming you know execute order 66 is coming so like it shouldn't feel like a victory. It should feel like we're slowly marching toward the end of our times right now. And that's, he, uh, there's, 
not a whole lot of dialogue in that final episode of Clone Wars. Like, I think, like, the final act of it maybe has one line in it. And it's, like, Ahsoka going, oh, no! <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> the rest of it is dialogue-free. It's just the music carrying it. And it's one of my favorite moments that we've seen on Star in a Star Wars anything in recent years. It's mm. just so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I think the music's a huge part of that. The uh, All right, Tommy. Yes. What Star Wars music brings you to tears the quickest oh, and why? Any song by Max Rebo. Uh, no, uh, I think um, this is so cheesy. The Han and Leia theme always makes me a little bit misty. When they did it, when they brought it back for Force Awakens, I got more than a little misty. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I just love that song. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, that's it's such a great theme. It's beautiful for me. Yeah. Uh, for a while, it was uh, Leia's theme for me, but I think it only became Leia's theme when Carrie Fisher died. Uh, I, I've always loved Leia's theme. Uh, uh, what is it? Yeah. Wow, we really are musical today. Oklahoma. <laughs> I think really the one that has gotten me lately is Yoda's theme. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just the way that it's uh, come back in the Mandalorian and in Boba Fett. But Yoda's theme. And uh, so in Los Angeles, and Tommy, I, I don't know if you've ever been to this, but like every Labor Day weekend, John Williams will oh, do yes. a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Yes. Um, and all the Star Wars nerds come out and they bring their lightsabers and uh-huh. he'll, he'll play a selection of a bunch of different scores. Yeah, and he'll drop a little Harry Potter on you. He'll do some Indiana Jones. But then he gets to what you really want. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, now he just does the second act. I believe the first act is done by the uh, another great composer, David Newman, who is, uh, I think he's the conductor of the LA Philharmonic, but he's composed, uh, he comes from a long family of, of composers, starting with Alfred. Uh, oh, Edie. yes, because he knew him, he, he knew John Williams when he was like a little boy, right? They always yeah, he grew story, up. Like, like, like yeah. he met him when he was six. He's yes. an old family friend. And yeah. that guy was like, in a way, a mentor to John Williams. And I believe Alfred did the Fox 20th Century theme. But it's an amazing thing to watch if you're ever in Los Angeles Labor Day weekend. Absolutely get a ticket. They're not too expensive. And there's no bad seat in the house at the Hollywood Bowl. It's just a nice night, a nice warm night thing to do the picnic. Yeah, if you live in L.A., it's a must do. And if you can't do that, they also usually once a year will do live to screen uh, orchestra matching for the movies. So you can see like Return of the Jedi with a, with the LA Philharmonic. And that's really that's really cool as well. Those are really fun to do too, yeah. Um, but I think the last one I was able to see uh, would have been, I guess last year, I, I think we went August, 2021, but um, they did, he played Yoda's theme and then they glow the whole bowl green. Uh, and it, there's just something about the music that like uh, can connect with you uh, on a personal level. It's not about your connection with someone else necessarily, which is a lot of the other Star Wars songs have like an inherent relationship to them. It's about um, your ability to overcome an obstacle and to realize what you thought was just impossible is possible. There's so much hope in the song. that I think it's beautiful that when you're in a dark place, when you just hear that music, it fills your heart in a way that um, not every Star Wars song is designed to do, but this is meant to be the light that gets you out of the darkness. 
Uh, and I think that's why, like, whenever I hear it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, as bad as things are, there's hope, you know. Now, uh, last one that I just want to ask, best needle drop. Wow. Like, anytime this is dropped, it gets your blood. I'm going to be a, a real basic, basic boy here. And I'm going to say the Imperial March. Of course. Drop the needle. Bump. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm raising the roof. I'm dabbing. I'm dabbing for the Empire. People in the other seats next to me are begging me to stop because I'm hitting them in the face. I love it. I will always love the Imperial March. And again, Imperial March, like the Force theme, is uh, is getting mileage in every Star Wars. Like, you watch Rebels, the amount of time the Imperial March just sneaks back in there and Rebels are like, we get it. We know. We know. This is a bad time for everyone. I mean, I say it's basic and I acknowledge it because literally we find out in Solo, a Star Wars movie, that the Empire has co-opted the Imperial March as their theme song in their recruitment videos. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> Even they, and I think that's like I'll always love it. Um, it's just like the amount of times the Imperial March has been like uh, commercialized, yeah, and and like used in KFC commercials when the prequels yeah. were coming out. I was yeah. like, okay, come on. But I I do love it. I will always like go nuts, yeah. and yeah, like absolutely. I think that's that's what he'll John Williams will do a different selection every time. But I think mm -hmm. he'll always do the Imperial March. You got just it. because you can't yeah. you can't not do it. It's like not playing Let It Be if you're going to see Paul McCartney. Come on. For me, it's uh, the best needle drop is like, this is why I lost my mind when we saw the Kenobi trailers, a, a Duel of the Fates. Yes. Like that, That's a great one. Like, yes. I, and it might just be the generation of Star Wars I grew up with. I grew up with the prequels. So like that to me was the anthem of the prequels. No, you're so, and, you're right. That's a better one just because. It, no, is, I, don't, I, mean, I think for most people, Imperial March is probably but the I, Star but, Wars. But we're, we're, yeah. we're, we both kind of, those those prequels were our first chance to really see new Star Wars in theaters for you yeah. and I. And uh, I mean, Duel of Fates was on TRL, was on Total Request, which is going to yeah. date us. But it was like, it was a music video. <laughs> That was like charting on the music video charts. Like a Star Wars orchestra song was was charting, yeah, I, like was rising up the music video most popular charts. It's crazy. When I was a kid, um, my uh, older siblings went to Florida State University and we would always go to the football games there. Uh, and the marching band at Florida State is awesome. They have an amazing, like, arts and music department there. So there was one game where, as a kid, I just, like, I didn't I didn't care about the game at all. I was just sitting there on the bleachers, like, all right, I hate being here. Uh, this isn't for me. But then at halftime, the marching band came out and played uh, Duel of the Fates. And they had, I guess, they also got the, the vocals department to tell all the marching band kids to all go, Gora! <laughs> they all sang. <laughs> And then That's they got awesome. in some like stunt fighters to oh like uh, reenact the fight. That <laughs> is small. amazing. And Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and I was like, ah, I screamed, <laughs> this is awesome. It was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It I just agree. felt like Duel of the Fates was a Star Wars anthem that wasn't my dad's Star Wars. It was yes. a Star Wars song that slapped just as hard as all it those. Was just it for was us. just for me. It's yeah. just for us. We want to know your thoughts on all these yes. questions. What do you think? What Star Wars track deserves more love? What Star Wars song or composition from the streaming series do you think more people should listen to or check out? And which one gets those waterworks flowing? And who's uh, going to have the know. balls to say the Canto Bright Casino Lounge Singers is their favorite song? Who's going to have the, 
Not There's Zach. someone out there. There is someone out there who feels that way, and uh, I want to hear from you. So we'll leave it there for this episode of Wookiee Least. Don't forget to check out our great merch options at NewRockStarsMerch.com. Follow me at yes. EA Voss. Follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtel. Follow New Rockstars. Subscribe to Wookiee Leaks wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.